0: Good morning, and thank you for joining us on Five at Eight. It's Friday, September 1st, 2023, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we will talk about the latest news stories making headlines. First, we'll discuss the impact of war and inflation in Ukraine, leading to layoffs and hiring freezes across Europe. Then we'll dive into the ongoing violence and instability in Haiti, with the United States Embassy issuing a warning for American citizens to leave the country. Next, we'll explore Microsoft's strategic move to sell its communications app, Teams, separately in Europe, to avoid an antitrust investigation. After that, we'll touch upon the controversy surrounding Japan's plan to release treated wastewater from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant into the Pacific Ocean. And finally, we'll discuss the joint military exercises involving the United States and 18 other nations in Indonesia, which China views as a threat. Stay tuned for all the details. Story number one. Decades high inflation and the impact of war in Ukraine have led to companies across Europe implementing layoffs or hiring freezes, as reported by Reuters. Several companies, including Volvo Car, Nolato, SS Ab, Dormakaba, Vodafone, Air Liquid, Deutsche Bank, Evinik, Kojamo, ProSiebenSat, Standard Chartered, UPM-Chimene, and ViaPlay have announced job cuts since April. These cuts range from a few hundred to thousands of positions being affected. Why, look at this, Linda. It's a classic case of what happens when external factors like inflation and war impact the economy. Companies adjust, and unfortunately, that sometimes means layoffs or hiring freezes. It's tough, but it's part of the business cycle.
1: That's one way to see it, Mark. But I'd argue that these adjustments you mention aren't the only possible response. They're the result of a system that prioritizes profits over people. Businesses could also choose to protect their workforce, even in tough times.
0: Well, Linda, I see where you're coming from. But let's not forget that businesses have a responsibility to their shareholders, too. It's a delicate balancing act. If a business goes under, it's not just the shareholders who lose out, it's all the employees, too.
1: Yes, Mark, I agree that it's a balancing act. But, uh... I also believe that the scales are often tipped in favor of those at the top. We need to start addressing income inequality and looking at how we can create a more equitable business landscape where, uh... Everyone benefits, not just the shareholders.
0: Well, it's not as black and white as that, Linda. Companies often have to make tough decisions in the face of major economic challenges. But I do agree that there's room for improvement. We need to strike a balance where both the workforce and the shareholders are taken into account.
1: That's the key, isn't it, Mark? Striking a balance. Let's hope that the companies taking these drastic steps have exhausted all other options and are also taking measures to support the employees they're laying off.
0: Story number two, according to the Washington Post, the United States embassy in Haiti has issued a warning for American citizens to leave the country due to the ongoing violence and instability. The embassy advised extreme caution in traveling and avoiding demonstrations and large gatherings. The warning comes after armed gangs have taken control of up to 90% of the capital city, Port-au-Prince. Following the assassination of President Jovenel Moise. The United States had previously evacuated non-emergency government personnel and diplomats' family members from the embassy. The call for an armed multinational force to restore control has largely gone unanswered, with Kenya expressing a positive consideration to lead such a force. Flight availability out of Haiti is limited, with high prices for tickets. Tell you what, Linda, it's a real powder keg situation in Haiti right now. The assassination of President Jovenel Moise has left a power vacuum that's being filled by armed gangs. It's heartbreaking to see a nation in such turmoil.
1: The instability and fear that's permeating the country is palpable. It's disheartening to see the pleas for international help from Prime Minister Ariel Henry falling on deaf ears. I mean, it's been months, and the situation remains dire.
0: Sure is, Linda. The U.S. Embassy's evacuation of non-emergency personnel and their families last month just goes to show how severe the situation's become. People are flocking to the embassy for protection. Now, with the U.S. citizens being warned to leave, it's clear the situation isn't improving.
1: I agree, Mark. But what strikes me most is how the ordinary citizens are stepping up. They've organized armed vigilante groups to combat the gangs. It's a desperate measure, sure but it speaks volumes about their resilience and determination to reclaim their communities.
0: I hear you, Linda. But without proper training and support, these vigilante groups could potentially escalate the situation. I reckon it's high time the international community stepped in. Kenya's willingness to consider leading a multinational force is a positive step, but more needs to be done.
1: Yes, Mark. But it's important to tread carefully when it comes to foreign intervention. It's a complex situation and there are ethical dimensions to consider. Any intervention needs to respect Haiti's sovereignty, ensure the well-being of its citizens, and ultimately support a peaceful transition to stable governance.
0: You're spot on, Linda. It's a tough call, no doubt. But doing nothing is not an option either. While we're discussing all this, the people of Haiti are living in fear and uncertainty. Something's got to give, sooner rather than later. Story number three. Microsoft plans to sell its communications app, Teams, separately from other software in Europe, in an effort to avoid an investigation by EU regulators into anti-competitive behavior, as reported by Reuters. The violation could result in a fine of up to 10% of the company's global turnover, potentially exceeding $20 billion. Despite the potential penalties, Microsoft's strategic move to combine Teams with its Office 365 And Microsoft 365 software bundles has allowed it to surpass rival Slack in terms of users and value. While stricter penalties are expected in Europe, any fine would likely be viewed as a cost of doing business for the tech giant. Should we be surprised that big tech is always pushing the envelope? I mean, look at this Microsoft situation. They're essentially using their market dominance to squeeze out smaller competitors like Slack. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and they are playing the game just like everyone else.
1: I see where you're coming from, Mark. But isn't the question here more about whether this game, as you put it, is fair? Microsoft bundling teams with Office 365 gave it a massive advantage over Slack. It's not just about surviving in a competitive market. It's about whether these tactics are stifling innovation and limiting consumer choice.
0: Fair point, Linda. But you know, this isn't a new strategy. It's the same playbook used by Google against Yelp, Facebook against Snapchat. Big tech companies often leverage their existing customer base to push new services. Is it aggressive? Yeah. But is it illegal? That's a gray area.
1: That gray area is exactly what concerns me, Mark. These companies operate in a realm where the rules are not clearly defined. And while they continue to push the boundaries, smaller companies suffer and innovation may be stifled. The question is, are the existing antitrust laws effective in curbing these
0: practices? Well, Linda, the EU regulators are certainly trying to put a leash on big tech with stricter penalties. But, as the article mentioned, even a hefty fine could be seen as just another cost of doing business for these giants.
1: If the penalties are merely seen as operational costs, then they're not deterrence at all. There needs to be a more effective way to regulate these monopolistic behaviors— Because at the end of the day, it's the consumers and the innovation that suffer.
0: Story number four. The Japanese government is facing opposition and controversy over its plan to release treated wastewater from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant into the Pacific Ocean, as reported by the Washington Post. The release, which is expected to take more than 30 years, has been reassured as safe by Japanese authorities and the International Atomic Energy Agency. However, Japanese fishing groups are concerned about the potential damage to their reputation, and China has banned Japanese seafood imports in response. South Korea's president ate seafood to show support and prove its safety. The release of the water is necessary for the decommissioning of the plant. But there are fears of economic harm to the fishing industry. The government is urging Japanese citizens to support Fukushima, and businesses have reported a surge in support. It's quite a conundrum, Linda. On one hand, we have the Japanese government and international agencies giving the go-ahead, assuring that the treated wastewater from the Fukushima plant is safe to be released into the Pacific Ocean. But then, we're seeing a considerable pushback from local fishing groups in neighboring countries like China and South Korea. What do you make of this?
1: Well, Mark, it's a complex issue. The science behind the treatment process indicates that the water is safe. The levels of tritium, a radioactive form of hydrogen, are reportedly insignificant. However, the perception of safety is just as important. The fishing industry is worried about the stigma of radioactive contamination affecting their livelihood, and that's a valid concern.
0: Right. It's not just about the actual safety, but also the perception of it. Now, we've seen public figures like the Prime Minister and the U.S. Ambassador to Japan publicly consuming seafood from the region to assure the public of its safety. Do you think that's an effective strategy?
1: It's a strategy with a long history, Mark. Public figures consuming food to prove its safety has been used in the past and can be effective to some degree. However, it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. It might work within Japan to boost the confidence of domestic consumers, but it's unlikely to sway the opinions of international consumers, especially given the current geopolitical climate.
0: That's a great point, Linda. It's not just about convincing the local populace, but also the international community. And speaking of international relations, it seems like China's ban on Japanese seafood imports is adding fuel to the fire. Is there more to this than just concern about food safety?
1: Trade and politics are often intertwined. The U.S. ambassador to Japan called Beijing's decision overtly political. It's a move that might exacerbate existing tensions in the region, Especially considering the wider divisions between Beijing and U.S.-aligned countries. It's a delicate situation that needs careful handling.
0: It sure is, Linda. It's one of those instances where science, politics, and public perception are all tangled up. But it's heartening to see the surge in support for Fukushima under Japan's hometown tax program. Do you think this could help mitigate the potential economic harm?
1: It's definitely a positive step, Mark. Programs like these can help rebuild the economy and boost morale within the community. However, these measures should be coupled with continued efforts to ensure safety and build trust through transparency and effective communication. It's a long road ahead, but with the right steps, it's a journey that can be navigated successfully.
0: Story number five. According to the Washington Post, the United States and 18 other nations, including Brunei, Brazil, Canada, Germany, India, Malaysia, Netherlands, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Philippines, South Korea, and East Timor, have participated in joint military exercises in Baluran, Indonesia. The drills, called Super Garuda Shield 2023, aim to enhance interoperability and strengthen multilateral solidarity in safeguarding a free and open Indo-Pacific region. China views these exercises as a threat and accuses the U.S. of forming an Indo-Pacific alliance similar to NATO to limit China's military and diplomatic influence in the region. The drills took place in various locations, including the waters around Natuna, which is a contentious area between the U.S. and China. Indonesia has expressed concerns about Chinese encroachment in its exclusive economic zone in the South China Sea, leading to increased military activities in the region. Can we talk about this, Linda? It's a bit unsettling, right? China sees these expanded drills as a threat, accusing the U.S. of trying to build an Indo-Pacific alliance similar to NATO. It seems like we're stuck in a Cold War 2.0 situation, don't you think?
1: Hmm. That's an interesting point, Mark. It does seem like the geopolitical tensions in the Indo-Pacific region are escalating. The U.S.'s expanding military exercises are certainly perceived as a threat by China. But it's also about more than just military posturing, it's about influence and control in the region.
0: Right, this is not just about military might. The region is a major hub for global trade and commerce. An alliance like this could, theoretically, tip the balance of power. Do you think that's what the U.S. is aiming for here? It's
1: a possibility, Mark. Global politics is often about power dynamics. And alliances like these can certainly shift the balance of power. However, it's important to remember that these alliances also bring about their own set of challenges and complications. For instance, how do other nations in the region react? How do they balance their own security concerns and diplomatic relations?
0: Good point, Linda. And speaking of other nations, what about Indonesia? The country seems to be caught in the middle with its concerns about Chinese encroachment in the South China Sea.
1: Yes, that's another layer to this complex situation. Indonesia and China have generally positive ties, but the increased activities by Chinese Coast Guard vessels and fishing boats in the area have unnerved Jakarta. This adds another dimension to the tension and could potentially strain their relationship with both China
0: and the U.S. So, it's like a geopolitical game of chess, with each move having ripple effects, and all this while the world grapples with global warming, economic instability, and health crises.
1: And just like chess, the impact of these geopolitical maneuvers will take time to fully manifest. But one thing is certain the stakes are incredibly high, both regionally and globally.
0: That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow.
1: Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.